Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Seven wins in a row, it feels good. Not an amazingly entertaining victory against Brighton and Hove Albin, but it's a maximum 18 points from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's first six league games in charge. Manchester United are only three points off the top four now and are looking ahead to an FA Cup fourth round fixture against Arsenal on Friday night. We look ahead to that game as well as looking back on the Brighton win. As always, we have our extensive youth roundup on the Manchester United weekly podcast as United are knocked out of the FA Youth Cup. More on that later, but for now, Jack we we won't dwell too long on the Brighton game because it wasn't it wasn't that interesting, not that entertaining, but it says something that we now see a pretty standard and dull win against a decent what is now a decent mid table Brighton side is just another three points rather than a change to the norm of boring draws and defeats. Yeah, it says a lot that right before we came on it on to record this we were both saying that there really isn't much to say from the Brighton game when a few months ago this would have been a massively positive result. It just shows you the mood, how how the mood has changed around the club. It wasn't a great performance against Brighton, I'm not going to lie. It was a very workmanlike performance of just kind of getting the job done, doing what we needed to do to get out with three points. I said in the last episode that this was a classic trap game, the kind of game where coming out of a big game against Spurs and going into another big game against Arsenal uh, on Friday night, where you kind of take your eye off the ball and become a little bit complacent, focusing on those two big games either side. And it was really good that we came out and although we didn't look like we were at our best, it didn't look like we were uh, we had our minds elsewhere. We were very focused on the game and it was a pretty professional performance in the end. Throughout the season, you get games like this where they're not particularly memorable, but they're still really important to just keep the, the momentum rolling. Obviously now seven wins from seven for Solskjaer uh, and the perfect start just keeps on going. Yeah, and of course it, it will come crashing down at some point. There isn't any way that we can we can win every game in the, in the rest of the season, is there? Uh, I, I say with a glint of hope in my voice. Well, um, come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we should be positive now. But yeah, it, it will come crashing down, but this just prolongs that feeling of confidence, keeps things ticking over. And that's the point. It's, this is the kind of game where United would slip up up until a month and a half ago. And it's now the kind of game where we just 
we deal with it. Newcastle, we dealt with Huddersfield, yeah. we dealt with Bournemouth, Cardiff, we, we thrashed. Brighton, if you think back to August, yes, that was a... Uh, that was worse than everything else on the Marino, pretty much. But that is, it's an example of not just how far the teams come uh, in this short time under Solskjaer with the kind of the honeymoon period, the, the bump of positivity, but also certain players, Marcus Rashford, uh, Victor Lindelof is probably the big one. Lindelof got bullied against Brighton back in August in that, what was it, 3-2 defeat. Um, and now in the in the game... Uh, yeah. On Saturday, was actively seeking seeking the challenges in the air. A big difference in not only uh, the quality of his performances, but how he's playing, the confidence in his game, uh, whether he's willing to go into challenges, willing to compete in the air. So Lindelof is kind of a a small example of a of a big development in this side. And that that Lindelof thing isn't just to do with Solskjaer. That's just Lindelof beginning to now show that he can and has adjusted to the Premier League. Just to, just to go back to the kind of keep it rolling thing, I. I can't even tell you how many times we must have said over the last two or three years, oh, that's a really big win at the weekend. Now, hopefully, we can just keep this going and keep this, this momentum going. And then the following weekend, we'd lose to Huddersfield or we'd lose to Brighton or we'd lose to Newcastle. You know, it happens so, so frequently under Mourinho. And these wins are so important to just kind of keep that that confidence rolling. Like you said, just keep our, our momentum up. I think mean, Lindelof is a great example, like you said, of of that kind of turnaround because... He was absolutely destroyed last time he played against Brighton. Obviously, I remember it was him and him and Bailly who kind of got the nod as our centre-back partnership at the start of the season. And we were so happy because we probably still, I think, see that as our long-term centre-back partnership. And after that game against Brighton, I don't think they played together again until a, couple, until a few weeks ago. Just because, you know, they were so bad in that game. And Lindelof was, was probably the main culprit for, for two of the goals. So I think... That that change from Lindelof has been massive. He's he's been good ever since, sort of mid October, really. Uh, but under Solskjaer, he's just kind of taken it to another level because not only has his defending been so good, but he's actually been able to show that he's a very good player on the ball as well. And he's actually become really really important to us starting attacks. He is probably the the prime example of the way that this team has changed a little bit under Solskjaer because. He was still playing okay under under Mourinho to to give him give him credit where it's due. He wasn't one of the players who was in terrible form, but since Olsho has come into United, he's taken it up another level. And not only is he now without a doubt our best defender, he's also kind of the 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 base of a lot of our attacks because he's the one that is playing the balls into midfield yeah. or even bypassing the midfield straight out to one of the front three. Interestingly, Lindelof is because there were a lot of players under Mourinho who who underperformed for a long spell of time. But there were also a few, bef- even before Marino got sacked and before Solskjaer came in, we said this about Rashford, he was already showing signs that he was getting better. The same is is true for Lindelof and Martial, to be honest. Um, that it, it wasn't just that Mourinho was restricting them, it's that they they were getting better themselves without the decision. And the sacking Marino and, and Solskjaer coming in has only helped them in that path towards finally developing into the players we know they can. So Marcus Rashford hit 150 games for Manchester United at the age of 21, um, which is uh, just making me laugh thinking about it. Uh, 41 goals, 150 games, 21 years old for Manchester United um, against Brighton. And and the thing with Rashford is he's looking so much better now, but I think the key thing is he's always had that unerring confidence about his game. Even even in poor spells, he, he tries things that other people wouldn't. When they're in, when they're low on confidence, not on, uh, not in a good spell, he hits the post a couple of times. He keeps going, he keeps going, and now he's in a great spell of form. That confidence is just 
reaching new levels. He's he's both exciting and effective now, rather than just exciting. He's contributed to eleven goals in his last ten league games. He it, and, and the second goal was just showed everything you you want from Rashford and shows why he gets you off off your seat if you're at the game or, or I mean potentially if you're on this sofa and you're a very excitable fan but just a, a stunning goal the, the shuffle of the feet and the, the best bit was the, the shrugging off of the of the defender at the very end when because when Rashford broke through he was pretty thin and, and now he's bulked out shoves the defender off and immediately unleashes that shot into the into the top right corner it's just brilliant and yeah I actually thought that Rashford goal ended up being quite underrated it didn't really get much press just because he's doing it so much at the moment um, but that is a that's a really really tough finish to squeeze that into the top corner that was pretty much the only part of the goal that he could be aiming for and he and he just put it right on the spot but you are right in that you know there were signs from I think the, the three you mentioned are probably the, the three most obvious Matt uh, sorry uh, Lindelof Martial and Rashford in that they were improving already towards the end of Mourinho's time Rashford especially was starting to get his form back he was probably playing the best he's played under under Mourinho for the last few weeks but what Solskjaer has done is just brought everyone else up to that level as well and I think he's just given them the confidence to go and play like that. You know, and Ra- Rashford hasn't been perfect every single game. You know, there has been moments where the poor decision making still comes in or where he's still a little bit rash in front of goal or, or with the final ball. But whereas under Mourinho, it, it almost felt like something like that would happen and the players would go into their shell. Under Solskjaer, it's so different. It's everyone is been so encouraged so much to express themselves and to just not worry worry about making mistakes like that and that is such a, a key difference I think you can see in the attitude of the players yeah I mean we can't really say much more about Rashford I mean he's just been brilliant in the last four or five weeks yeah but I think with Rashford it's a, a lot of people have said his finishing's got better since Solskjaer came in and and maybe he's given him advice or something I'm sure Solskjaer is giving him advice and, and the, the the important thing that we've mentioned and that Solskjaer has mentioned and Rashford about being a bit more composed in front of goal, taking like half a second more before making that decision, just calming down in front of goal, staying calm and then finishing like we saw against Spurs. I think that has helped, but I don't think Rashford's become a better finisher. I think he's looking a bit more composed, which is down to Solskjaer, but it's also down to the the confidence that he has because he knows he's in good form. He knows he can miss a chance. I think the composure is is the big thing. Like you said, realistically, I, I don't think there are many... Premier League strikers who are bad finishers. I think a lot of it does come down to how composed they are. Yeah. So, but I, I think it's it's wrong to say Rashford's finishing has got better under Solskjaer because I, I don't think it has. I think what's happened is he's getting more chances because United are creating more chances, and not only that, but he's playing as a central striker, so he's in the box for probably double the amount of time he was in the box previously. And United are playing further forward. They're playing on the front foot. So he's in the box so much more often than he was before Solskjaer came in. So that is to do with Solskjaer, but it's not to do with his finishing getting better. He's getting more chances. That gives him more confidence in itself. It means he's less likely to, to snatch at the at the one chance he does get. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I, think, I, 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 I think it's wrong to talk about finishing. I, I, I think playing up uh, as a central striker is such a key part of it too. Because whereas before, like Rashford maybe would get one or two chances of the game to have a shot and it would be cutting in from the left and trying one of his wild 25 yarders where he just tries to hit the ball as hard as he can and they still happen like he still has that in his game but the difference is whereas before that was all he had every game and so that was kind of what you remembered as someone watching the game it was Rashford wasting those attacks now he because he and he still did that against Brighton a couple of times where he cuts inside and tries to 
to score a ridiculous goal, which is probably not the best thing for him to do. But that isn't all to his, to his game now because he, he's creating so many other chances, both for himself and through what's going on for, uh, through, from other people because he's playing as the central striker instead of being shifted out to the left and then getting w- way less chances every game. Yeah. Now, Rashford and Lindelof were people who, who were improving before Solskjaer came in, but someone like Nemanja Matic was uh, a massive supporter of Mourinho and was said to be quite upset when Mourinho got sacked. But even he looks rejuvenated and renewed at the moment, which shows the the impact of of the last few weeks. But I think the thing is, seven wins in a row is, is amazing, and the um, the mood he's created, Solskjaer's created, is is amazing as well. Um, he's saying everything right. He's giving confidence to the players. He's done so. He's done everything right, even. And we're all excited and everything, but I, I think just an element of caution is needed because you think about. Even when Jose Mourinho came to United, wins on the trot. Louis van Gaal came to United. There was a rough start against Swansea, I think it was, where we lost 2-1, but it was an okay start. New managers come to clubs and they do well. That's pretty much what happens most of the time. Even David Moyes, we beat Swansea 4-1. Danny Welbeck scored twice. Uh, I think Van Persie scored twice. That's your Thierry Henry at Monaco yeah, at the very moment. very true. But yeah, yeah one, of, <laughs> one of the few examples. But on, a, on an overall level, managers come into clubs and they tend to do pretty well straight away, even in relegation threatened signs, whoever it is. And I think Solskjaer's done even better than what could be expected of someone else. I don't think Paul Ince is right to say he could have done it or Steve Bruce could have done it. I don't think that's true. Solskjaer's done a brilliant job um, as United, the players are fans of stuff, but there just does have to be a little bit of caution because you look at Sarri at Chelsea, uh, he won, I think they won six in a row in the league. They went a silly amount of games unbeaten. So did Arsenal under Emery. They went 22 games unbeaten. Chelsea and Arsenal both did fantastically under their new managers. And then it started to drop off a bit. Now, I'm not saying don't be positive because this is amazing. We're all enjoying it. We're, we're loving it. But I just mean, it's not. We just need to wait a bit. Oh, yeah, 100%. I think all the shouts, I've seen so many articles in the last few days about United mad not to give the, the job to Oli. Like, Oli already secured the United job. Like just halt, just pump the brakes a minute. Like we we're only a month and a, I think we just passed a month, didn't we? Since he since he took over, it was around like the nineteenth of December, I think, something like that. Yeah. Um. You know, we like hold on a second. Like we're we're barely any time at all into Solskjaer's reign, and like you said, go back to um the start of last season. We I think we didn't we win our first seven games of the season, and then after we lost to City at Old Trafford, the wheels fell off. Like it can happen at any time, and you have to be cautious. There's no point trying to prescribe all these predictions about whether Solskjaer's going to get the job or not because he's only been in charge for seven games. Yeah. If, if all managers' reigns lasted for seven games, everyone would have 80-90% win records. Um, you know, There's a reason why we need to give managers time and it works both ways, not just so that if they have a rough start, they have time to recover, but it's also so that if they have a honeymoon period, they can we can see what they're like once they actually face some adversity because it's very different as a manager and as a player being in a situation like this where everyone's riding high, everyone feels great, it's easy to manage a team like this. Well, not easy, but you know what I mean? It's <laughs> yeah. a lot easier when everyone's really high on confidence. The challenge comes when, if we lose against Arsenal on Friday, how do you pick the players up again? That's when the challenge will come for Solskjaer. Yeah, Arsenal will be an interesting game. We'll speak about it in probably three or four minutes um, in more detail. But I, I guess, yeah, just to kind of 
give it time. I think people are, are rushing it. People are getting swept up again. It's like when we have bad results, people get swept up in it. When we have good results, people get swept up in it. You think, I mean, talking about it's easy to manage and, and everyone's happy and stuff. Well, there was a great, I, I mentioned it a couple of times on here in various episodes. There was a great quote from, um, well, not a great quote, but it, just a, a really revealing quote from Eden Hazard who, who was speaking about Mourinho and said, when you're winning, he's the best friend in, in, in the world. He's like your father. He he will do anything for you. He'll give you anything. He'll give you, if you ask for one day's holiday, he'll give you two days holiday, that kind of stuff. Everyone loves him. And when he loses, he, he barely speaks to you. Now, two different managers. Everyone's a different manager. Solskjaer's very different to Mourinho, but it, it just is a fact that when we do lose, things will, will change a bit and it'll be harder for the players, for the manager, for the fans everything but at the moment I mean this is just so good to watch and actually I forgot to mention Ander Herrera um, back to his old self I still don't think he's United's long-term midfield option but it looked like probably four months ago it looked like he was one of the ones who had to be replaced quickly whereas now it feels like he could stay for another season or so season or two and United would be fine looking at other areas where we need to improve rather than that midfield option that Herrera currently takes. Yeah, I think we all kind of forgot that Herrera, when he came to United, wasn't this destroyer that he was made into under Mourinho. He was pretty much only used as yeah. this sort of disruptive presence who would be used to man-mark Hazard and kick people out of the game when we played in big games. And actually, when we bought him, he was this sort of playmaker that would be pulling the strings like we need to remember here we got Herrera as a third option when we thought we were going to get Tony Cruz Tony Cruz and then Thiago that's the sort of player that Herrera is not that level at all but that that's the sort of style of player he is he isn't this guy who goes around trying to kick people and just being in the team as someone to break up play and he's recaptured a bit of that under Solskjaer I mean still obviously not anywhere near the extent that would have been true under like Cruz or Thiago but compared to where he was on the Mourinho he has regained some of that form on the ball he's so much more comfortable on the ball in possession he's great he's looking forward a lot more and that is a massive change from what his game was under Mourinho because you could see that Mourinho had just kind of turned him into this defensive midfielder who was just out there because he was a nuisance to the other team effectively and now he's actually being used I think in a way that really accentuates his skill set a lot more than it did under Mourinho because it's kind of similar to Paul Scholes in that he's not a good defender. He just likes getting <laughs> stuck in. Like he'll do it because he's a willing. He's willing to do it. He, but he's not a good defender. Yeah, I mean, we've always had questions over his positioning, his tackling. Well, the one pretty man much. Press. A, yeah, pretty much any kind of discipline in terms of any kind of defensive discipline. So yeah, he, he's he's looking, he's looking good again, and he is the 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 beautiful bastard of a player that we, that we all know and love. Um, I also I also thought it was funny um, over the last basically over the last two weeks or going back to Christmas up until about a week ago uh, four Manchester United players uh, celebrated a birth of a child Lukaku, Matic, Pogba and Fred almost exactly nine months after Paul Pogba scored twice in United beat City 3-2 to stop them winning the title which um, I mean it could be a coincidence but it probably isn't yeah, I thought this was a brilliant little uh, little news news fact the other day. It was so just such great timing, I think, to come out and in this time when the club is now like in a much better place. I definitely, you could tell that the players were celebrating hard after that game. Yeah, um, right. Uh, our youth roundup. It was a it was a disappointing night on on Monday for Manchester United's youth sides. Uh, they were knocked out of the FA Youth Cup after a 
After a fantastic victory in the in the third round against holders Chelsea, uh, United were big favourites going into the game against Brighton at home in the fourth round, but lost 3-1. Dishon Bernard scored a late goal for United, but was only a consolation after a penalty as well as goals from Longman and Roberts sealed United's fates. It means the under-18s have progressed no further than the fifth round of the FA Cup since 2012. It's a massively disappointing record for a club kind of esteemed in the history of this competition, the club who won the first five ever uh years of, of this competition and this year looked like a, a good one in which to change it especially after having beaten Chelsea but United put in their, their worst performance of the season when it really mattered quite why United's record in the Youth Cup is so poor recently difficult question to answer they've performed well in Europe in other foreign tournaments and, and won league titles domestically but in the Youth Cup they've they've always kind of come unstuck uh, one former United youth player was saying that the environment has changed for the better in so many ways over the last few years but that perhaps the the kind of real focus on winning these tournaments has been hasn't been kept quite enough great figures like Jimmy Murphy or Eric Harrison involved in the academy would have absolutely destroyed those players after their performance on Monday and Neil Ryan who's currently under 18s manager is a, is a really really good manager does great things in terms of development of the players but it seems unlikely that he would have done that um Anyway, United out of the FA Youth Cup. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wasn't at the game at Lee Sports Village because he went to go and meet the under-16 and under-14 girls' academy players. Uh, he went to watch them train and then talk to them, which is good in a way, but it would have been good to see him at the uh, Youth Cup game. And Manchester United's senior women's side weren't in action this week. I think it's an international break in uh, in women's football. Now, Jack, we mentioned Arsenal uh, a few minutes ago. Big game Friday night in the FA Cup. 7.55, weird kickoff time, but that is the the way of the FA Cup at the moment. Lots of complaints about United's allocation. Uh, only 5,300 United fans will be allowed at the Emirates, which is about 9% of, of Arsenal's stadium. Uh, clubs are meant to give 15% of their stadium to the away fans, and that hasn't happened for supposed safety reasons, but quite why Leeds and Lincoln can have the full 9,000 allocation and United only get 5,300 uh, seems weird if it's down to safety reasons so uh, we'll see but complaints about the allocation and ticketing and the way it's all been handled but it's going to be a massive game Oh 100% I was both angry and excited when we, uh, the draw came out came out of the pot because you don't really want to get a big team this early on in, on in the cup obviously you want to save these for the kind of the bigger occasions and like the quarters and the semi-finals and the final but anytime you get a game against a big team especially away from home it just you just get up for it so much and I'm so looking forward to the game I'm actually not going to be able to watch it which is really annoying because I'm going to be on a flight but I cannot wait to see what the result was and, and watch the game I'm so excited for it I think the FA Cup is you know we should be going all out for the FA Cup this season because I think with the way that the, the, the club is now in such a better place it would be the perfect way to to kind of just boost the mood even more and especially if we get there by beating some big teams along the way it would just be kind of a perfect way to uh, to go out in this season. Uh, and just to yeah. more specifically, well, first of all, on the ticket allocation, I mean, it just seems like it's been an absolute farce from Arsenal. Um, I mean, yeah, I don't really know what safety concerns they're too worried about considering they've had teams take the, this allocation before. Uh, but one good touch from United was that they, uh, they made Arsenal... Uh, I don't know if this actually went through, but I saw that they were trying to make Arsenal give some of the tickets that... Um, United fans weren't going to be getting to, to charities instead of just normal Arsenal fans. So at least some, yeah. some good can come out of it. But Yeah, it's basically that 
United have the choice whether to let Arsenal sell the remaining tickets. So Arsenal are meant to give 15%, which is 9,000 seats, but gave only 5,300 instead. And then United have the choice whether to let Arsenal sell the remaining 3,700 to home fans. They said yes, uh, instead of leaving them empty, which was what they could have done. They said yes, but they said, yeah, you have to either give them to charity or give all the profits to charity, which is a, a very good move from United. But, I mean, brilliant, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, honestly, um, probably one of the best things the board have done in a long time for United. Um, it's fair <laughs> play. Um, I mean, talking talking tactically against Arsenal, I mean, the key is just trying to um, trying to stop Aubameyang and Lacazette. They're both in really good form, especially Aubameyang, who looks like, well, up there with the best strikers in the league at the moment. I think the the big battle will be in midfield. Emery loves to use this pre-defensive three-man midfield of Guendouzi, Xhaka and Torreira. And I think there's holes in that that we can exploit. There's not that much creativity going forward through midfield. Most of Arsenal's success going forward has come on the counter-attack when they almost just bypass the midfield. Um, we really need to get about them and try and especially target Xhaka because defensively he's not great. Xhaka is he's good on the ball. He has a, one, a great left foot, but defensively he can get caught out caught out um, with his positioning I think that's where an area we need to target try and get Pogba in that in that sort of uh, left inside channel to try and uh, get on Xhaka and try and get make some inroads down the left it should be a great game I think we probably match up pretty well against Arsenal just because defensively uh, they're pretty shaky and obviously now without Hector Bellerin who got that awful ACL injury it's going to make it a lot harder for them to try and control us down the left so I think it'll be a good game. I hope we come out and we and we try and play positively, which I think we will. Um, kind of a similar manner to where we played against Spurs. So I just can't wait. I'm so looking forward to the game. Yeah, I think obviously Arsenal missing Bellerin and you mentioned Aubameyang and Lacazette playing together. I mean, they haven't really played together as much as most Arsenal fans would like at the moment under Emery. Um, most have been disappointed with the fact that they're not playing together every game. So we'll we'll see how how Emery sets up. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the two teams probably match up quite well. And we won't see a game similar to what we saw at the Emirates last season when De Gea kind of heroically saved United and Lingard scored and Pogba scored and, and we won 3-1. Um, I think I think it could be... It's weird. It, it's hard to decide whether it will be quite a high-scoring game because both defences are incredibly weak or because of that, whether it depends on whether both goalkeepers turn up we hope that David De Gea will we, we it, it seems very likely they will he usually does um, and if he does I think United will end up winning the game because if De Gea pulls off like against Tottenham one or two just absolutely magnificent saves and does what he usually does and, and saves the, the normal shots then I think that's a, a big advantage for United because I think we will we will score yeah I would be very very surprised if both teams don't score um, I, you know both teams are struggle defensively and have very, very good attacks that not only have good players, but in very good form. So I'd be very surprised if either team um, manages to keep a clean sheet. I think if you're looking if you're looking to try and, yeah. and pick a winner, it is probably going to come down to that midfield battle and who can kind of dominate the game, who can just create the more chances, honestly. Because I think Arsenal probably would like to play on the break, but I think at home it might be quite difficult for them to do that, for the fans to accept kind of sitting back and letting us control the game. It'd be really interesting to see whether Emery or Solskjaer do anything yeah. different tactically to try and 
nullify something uh, in the other on the other team. We're, we've obviously seen against Spurs that Solskjaer is is willing to change his system, um, like where we played the diamond and split Martial and Rashford up front. So it'll be interesting to see if either Emery or Solskjaer change anything. Emery is a little bit more sort of uh, into his own philosophy, so I'm not sure. Not sure he'll be changing anything, but I'll be interested to see what Solskjaer does to try and uh, and match up against Emery's system. Yeah, I mean, against Spurs, Solskjaer came out with that kind of tactical surprise in the first half where Lingard was playing centrally, Martial and Rashford were sent wide, and then that kind of shocked Spurs, and, and that's why United were the better team up until the 40th minute or so, or the much better team until until the 40th minute or so. I think I think we, we'd quite like to see him try and surprise Emery again, given that it worked against Spurs. My worry is that Arsenal are notoriously much better in the second half and I think United will probably win the first half as I guess you can say um, I think it's, it's quite likely it'll be something like Spurs again where we do better in the first half because we surprise them with something or, or we play well Arsenal come out for the second half better perform and then it's a question of whether United can defend like they did against Spurs and De Gea can put in performance like he did against Spurs and, and hold out for a 1-0 one or 2-1 two one vic- one nil or two one victory yeah, I think that might be how how the pattern of the game ends up. I will go. You know what? I'm going to go all out. I reckon it will be a really entertaining game, end to end. You know, it's the FA Cup. Teams aren't aren't likely to to be sitting back on their haunches playing out for a draw. I'm going to go for a three two United win. I, I as you said, I'm going to go all out. I knew you were going to say three two United. Um, <laughs> I'll go with a. I'll go the more boring. 2-1 United win. We're both confident though, which which shows how much the mood around the club has changed. It's just, we're all enjoying our football um, and Friday night at the Emirates will be amazing. But uh, that's all we have time for on what I think is series, well, some episode in series four. I can't quite remember which episode it is because um, we've had plenty this season because there's been lots of games and lots to talk about. But that's all we have time for on this episode of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. Thank you for listening as always. For more from us throughout the week, you can follow Jack on Twitter at at UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at at Harry Robinson 64 and the podcast itself at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes. It's massively appreciated. Have a great week. Enjoy the Arsenal game on Friday, whether you're going or watching from any part of the world. Goodbye. Hello, a very quick message from me right at the end. Uh, Jack, as he said in this episode, said uh, he will be flying during the Arsenal game. And so instead of recording after the game or a couple of days after the game, because Jack can't, I will be at the Arsenal game at the Emirates um, recording bits from in and around the game uh, before it at the pub, during it possibly. Unlikely, I'll probably be watching the football, but after we'll be reacting to it with me and probably my brother will also be there. But if you're a regular listener and will be at Arsenal away and fancy coming on the podcast for one or two minutes to give us your prediction, if you want to speak before the match or what you thought of the match straight after, then uh, message me on Twitter at HarryRobinson64 or the podcast at UTD weekly pod that's pod at the end there and we'll try and arrange it cheers Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.